0: Hey guys, welcome back to NFT Hype. We have Ben Fairbank or Benny Fairbank from Red Fox Labs, the creator of those awesome cogs that we all love. Uh now, welcome Ben or Benny. This morning I heard on the Discord that you rather Benny. Um, however you said that people call you Ben, you gotta watch out for, right?
1: Yeah, I always say that uh people that yeah. call me uh Ben or rather my people asking for money, or trying to collect money or I'm <laughs> trouble trouble with the law um or, or a very angry mother uh everybody else calls
2: me <laughs> nice
0: tell us a little bit about cogs and uh how you came to know about wax
1: yeah so cogs is a, effectively a reimagined version of the 90s phenomenon pogs or ta- uh, tarzos or wafers or they will called different names all around the world but pogs actually was a passion orange clava a type of fruit juice in Hawaii and you used to get these little lids like milk lids um, with different designs on them and kids could stack them and then use a heavier disc to, to flip them over and whoever can flip them up right would, would win and uh, this caused many schoolyard brawls and fights and um, uh, many a collection people would carry around collections in their bags and I don't know when I was a kid you used to get rolled for your shoes but back in uh, back in the day used to get rolled for your uh, for your polls. Um, so when when we um, H1Z1 and Planet Side 2 um, and said, what should we do? He started saying, we should build these blockchain games um, that are effectively leading edge AAA games. And I said, blockchain just can't do that yet. Um, it's not capable. And so we went back to the drawing board and we came up with this uh, simple concept. Um, then as far as why Wax or how we put it onto Wax? Wax is um, clearly the front runner as far as the NFTs are concerned. And then we started looking into the marketplaces and, and places like atomic hub.io and how these, you know, um, the, the tools like Waxplorer, where we've been working and what we've been dealing with, we haven't had those access to these types of tools. We haven't had the, the speed of these transactions. We haven't had NFTs That are actually there and we haven't had the type of people that are involved in wax and behind wax um, around us so we thought to ourselves what better place to go and start there and i know it's really early in the piece but um we we saw it as not being any other option
0: cool that's good to know mike uh, did you want to shoot off with a question or two i know you're fairly new to cogs well,
2: I was going to ask a follow up on that. So, you guys didn't consider any other chain first, like Dapper or anything else, anything else like that? You went straight, well, we we, straight um, wax?
1: Well, we, uh, we started building the game. Uh, we wanted to make the game 100% on, like 100% logic on chain. So, mm-hmm. we started building the game uh, 18 months ago on Komodo um, purely based on the fact that we could get it on a mobile version. Um, we were experienced with the technology. So, this was like a um, this was like a where the game side of things came in um and then when as far as like looking at other chains and all the rest of the concerned we hadn't done that we were kind of our hand was kind of forced which is a good thing um when it came to the production of the nfts and it made us look at the technology because obviously you go where there is going to be attention where there is going to be traction where there is going to be an audience and You know, you might say, well, you could have done any type of um, uh, Ethereum related or ERC-related NFT because you've got OpenSea and you've got these marketplaces. The fact is the market's so small at the moment, doesn't matter whether you're on OpenSea or wherever you are, you're at the very beginning. So where you've got to go is where... Transaction costs make sense where it's easy to build, where you've got your Marvels and your Capcoms and all of these types of people. They don't just sit on boards at, at, at companies and say, "Oh, well, we're just here for the for the fun of it." Um, they come across because they say that we, we think there's something to this movement, and um, this is the place we've all landed. I don't see them landing in, in other places. So this is. Uh, I agree. Yeah. So it's kind of like. Um, uh, something's happening right, um, you know, and everybody's got opposing different views and we think we are early enough that if you come in with a concept that's good and you build an audience now, at this particular point in time, then when the flood or the masses do come into seeing how useful NFT is are in games and other, uh, other things, I think we'll be very well positioned and I think that will largely be due to the fact that we had such an easy um, on-ramp.
2: Excellent. So I never ever played with cogs as a kid or pogs yeah. and I have absolutely no idea what the whole basic premise is so could you explain sort of the basic rundown of cogs in say yeah. a 10 year old manner for
1: me? Okay so <laughs> so basically um, the, the okay a 10 year old version would be you've got a series of round disc shaped objects some of them are very very common and there's a lot of them others if you've got one of them in your uh, collection you're kind of the cool kid you're kind of the person who's uh, the envy of everybody else now in a physical game they don't have any special powers doesn't make them any better but like any collectible the rarer that it is the more sought after it is and the more wow factor it has so that makes it even more um of a of a real task or a challenge if you have to risk that. So what you Mm -hmm. do is you take a set, let's just say it's 10. You take a set of cogs along, you you put them all face down. You put all of the pictures face down. Then what you do is you grab a much heavier disc called a slammer. Now the slammers are really sought after. They're really sought after. And they can be eight balls. And in our case, Satoshi's, um, jagged edge, they can be all sorts of cool and funky looking um, concepts. And then what you do is when you put your discs down, you take it in turns and you start with one of your slammers, hold it above the, the stack of discs and whack it as hard as you possibly can. And whatever flips upright, so face up, you as the as the the whacker gets pull into your stack, they're yours.
0: Okay. Then you add
1: more to the pile face down, and then the other person has their shot. Now. When you hit it, sometimes they might all scatter, but none of them come face up, mm-hmm. so you don't get to keep any of them. Right. If you get the whole lot of, if a whole lot of them turned over face up, you get to keep them. So the idea is there has to be an element of skill involved in how high you hold the slammer, how much force you throw it down, what the angle is. So this is very important stuff in trying to to win these cogs. Now, so that's the basic premise. Now you've if you've played magic the gathering or any of these types of card games the only reason i well, actually was-
2: have something similar that we played as a kid and it was i don't know if you ever did this but we used to line up hockey cards against the wall and these yeah. hockey cards were probably like like i must have been five and so like i probably was like throwing Wayne Gretzky's at the freaking wall <laughs> and yeah. and paul Coffey's and all these like cool rookie cards right and we would line them up against the wall on an angle and you had to hit them same thing so that they would land face up, right? And the hard thing was to hit them on the top so that they would fall, slide down, rather than hit them on the bottom so that
1: they would end up face down, right?
2: So very similar concept.
1: Actually, many people played many versions of cogs and one of of them was throw them against the wall and whoever stops the closest to the wall um, wins. So there's there's so many variations of how you can play it, but with the Magic: The Gathering and all the rest of it, the reason it didn't take off in the beginning until Wizards of the West Coast got involved is because people said, "Hey, I've got all these cool um, cards. I'm not going to risk them. I don't want to play them and lose them in a tournament. Like this is like uh, mm-hmm. this is hard to get. I don't want to. I don't want to do this." So
2: yeah, no one we... plays the Black Lotus, right?
1: Exactly. Black Lotus exactly. stays
2: in the deck forever.
1: Exactly. So. If you... Well, the equivalent to the Black Lotus in our first edition is like a foil Satoshi or a foil 8-ball Slammer. Now, what we've done is created three versions of the game. So, get there's a play for keeps, a play for fun, and then a tournament where the winner of the tournament wins prizes. Now, play for keeps is going to be hard in some countries because they'll say it's a form of gambling or... Um, kids can't play in this because kids kids are using their parents credit cards to buy stuff and then they're losing it and then they're racking up huge bills so we've got to be very responsible with how we roll it out in the different countries um, and that's and we call why that-, that pink slips here exactly pink exactly slips.
2: yeah They're exactly. racing for cars right yeah
1: exactly so we we'll, um I'm sure a lot of that's going to go on, especially in Southeast
2: Asia.
1: <laughs> um, especially in the countries where gambling is illegal. If we say you can't play it, they'll find a way to play it. Um, but, exactly. But the other way that we we go about things is COGS actually stands for keys to other games. So right. the Slammer game is just the first game. There's going to be multiple games that you can play them in and across.
2: Very cool.
1: Yeah, well, I know that, that.
2: Uh, Nifty Wizards actually has talked about integrating them as well, so that could be yeah. another interesting angle. Like I actually bought a bunch of the sword ones just in case they get included.
1: <laughs> well, well, the actual yeah. the actual um, possibilities for integration are massive, which is great. But one of the things that we noticed is that a lot of the games that are on Play Store, for example, they say a we don't have a monetization model, b there's no way to sort of we just pay server costs and we've got hundreds of thousands of people playing but we can't afford to keep the servers open there's no economy there's no people coming in and trading or playing with tournaments and we can't get sponsorship and it's a good game but we can't there's nothing we can do so we turned around and sort of said how do we make it that we have a bunch of games and if you spend hundreds of hours leveling up and getting ranking up and all the rest of it and you say i'm done with this game how do you take something away with you of value and how do you Pack it up and take it to another game and say, Hey, I'm kind of a big deal over here. What does that get me over here? And there needs to be some sort of recognition and there needs to be some sort of um, reward for all the time and effort you put in. And that's why we Great. started to build this economy out.
0: Very cool. i got a question about like when you pay- play for keeps. Um, hmm. When you play for keeps, does the opponent bring in, like, could he bring in, like, commons? And I have like an ultra rare in there. How, how do you make that fair?
1: Yeah, so ultimately, a lot of the gameplay will be done on the lower levels. Um, but the object or the idea is to make sure that the stacks are equal. So you can't someone can't come in and um, and say I'm I'm using all commons and you use all ultra rares but that's not to stop people from saying well I'm an avid collector and I've got all ultra rares and then that the other person says well I've also got all the ultra rares these are the types of things where you would uh, assume that you'd have these guys with the headsets on the Saturday night football saying well bob we're here to watch the uh, this will be like streamed and like an esports
2: esports three. Cog. <laughs>
1: exactly exactly
0: <laughs> so only, the only ultra rare tournament yeah Exactly. And then some DGENs
2: yeah. will do ultra rares for commons or some crazy <laughs> stuff.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. You'll have like the Nagari's with, with the glasses, the black sunglasses and the hats like in the poker tournament. they have sweat dripping down their brows. And, you know, you'll have the shakes up before you Breaking actually... Breaking out
2: the but, Slammers.
1: Yeah, you've got like commons <laughs> in your head from the Slammer. It'll um, i don't know how that stuff will play out and this is something that will evolve i mean back in the days of the schoolyard it was just uh you know if i had lost i could always just whack you in the face and take my cough back (laughs) but um but but in in the um in the world of the wacky world of the internet and everybody's watching uh it'll be super interesting to see how the stuff plays out but with tournaments uh we've already got a partnership with a company that has a million monthly average users, and it's. it's a mainstream gaming platform, and it just has lots of idle games and HTML games. And they're just introducing tournaments and prizes. So we've got now got a chance to go across and actually take one of our games uh, to be a major tournament game there. Wow. And then what happens is they, they can win NFTs, come across, and then we're bringing in users, uh, wallet registrations, and people coming in to claim COG prizes.
0: Wow, yeah, I heard that earlier today, and uh, I thought that was amazing. Uh, what do you think about that, Mike? Uh doesn't that sound cool?
2: It sounds super cool, man. I want to play
0: for pink slips for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing about COG is, is that they've got some really cool art on them too. Like you should see these they things. Do. My favorite is the yeah. time traveler, and you can see smoke coming off of his like uh, uh arm there, you know, like he's coming out of the DeLorean. It's just really cool.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm um the cyberpunk I'm ones on are time
1: traveler. Uh, are you? I've, I've, yeah, I've actually. Um, I think it's like uh, out of all the conspiracy theories and weird things in the world, I think time travel. I've seen every time travel um,
0: movie or
1: documentary or anything. I think it's just a fascinating concept. And but right back from the early Twilight Zone episodes, but the that character is. Um, 100 percent the first thing i did was collect the series all the different quarters of time traveler oh did you uh, not for, nice. yeah not for any other reason than the fact that it just it just uh it just resonates and it looks great
2: yeah it does. So what's I, the deal what's the deal with all these easter eggs benny like I, oh, I, I, okay. all you guys are like staring at cogs with like 300x <laughs> zoom like is, is there a reason for this are they crazy yeah, well, what's
1: yeah, a good question. it's a good question we've we sort of we're, we're much the believers of, like, when I was a kid, uh, they had, like, Where's Wally? That was about as technical as things got, right? So you'd have a book and it would have a million characters and then you'd have this one little dude with a red and white striped top. I think he was Canadian or something. And, um, and uh, what, what would happen is you'd have to try and find this dude in a million, in a million other people. And you'd stare at pictures for hours and they'd have some sort of fascination about them and they'd be whismical and they'd sort of, it was part of oh, your where's
2: waldo where's waldo yeah. is what you're talking about right yeah hell yeah, yeah
1: exactly, exactly. i remember that so, so, so you, you'd sort of go well, well when we were kids you used to stare at stuff now these days you, you see a piece of art and unless it's got an explosion in the background or fire or flames bursting out of it it can't grab people's attention so we thought not only should the art stand alone and should look good by itself but we're not big believers in just saying, there is Easter eggs, we'd rather just say, someone come back and say, holy crap, you know what, I was staring at something for a while, and I noticed that there's a code in there, or that there's a, a doorway there, or there's, let's just say that people will be discovering stuff in the sets for a very, very long time, but the Whoa. Easter egg that we did announce, and we've been talking about, is a series of tasks or trails, and the first one's just started to be cracked now, I noticed that I think last night, someone cracked the first part of it. Um, it uh, leads to, uh, we've explained Bitcoin, um, a Bitcoin address, Bitcoin. Um, they each lead to different things. Um Yeah, so what you've got to do is go How a and uh, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's How a much Bitcoin?
2: How much Bitcoin's in there?
1: It's a significant <laughs>
2: amount. Um, okay, that sounds is, interesting. Mike's going to buy some coins now. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah I totally, I need that account. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the thing is, the thing is that, uh, that, that, that they all require you to go into a number of the different cogs and to do a certain number of different things. And you'll notice that, you know, people looked at the one that, the cog of me with a magnifying glass now and said, Hey, what does that actually mean? They do mean things. And, and um, as, really, as we'll explain later with different Easter eggs, that I'll be looking at something that is then something else that you go to, then takes you to something else, then takes you to something else, and you'll get through a series of it, and and you will end up with something significant. And people could take two years for some of these to be solved, could take two minutes. But the the fact is that the idea of it is to keep people occupied, entertained while we're waiting for the delivery of the game. And we want to make this fun to look at for a long, long time.
0: So there is so what, actually what, what, something there, not just a dog chasing its tail. There is something there.
1: Absolutely. cool good to know. Some of it's really, some of the Easter eggs are very hard and they're a little bit technical and they involve a little bit of math and others are just sort of, um, uh, word based. So what is the word that comes from this, um, from this particular cock? So you, you mentioned time traveler, for example, um, I know the date is there. Yeah, there you go. So so there'll be a word associated to that particular date and that word, once typed in correctly, will give you a clue, which will take you to the next, uh, to the next cog, which will take you to the next and then give you a prize. So there is, um is, um, we'll release that post at a particular time. So you'll go in and actually have something that you can enter words into and that'll be okay. a cool chase around the uh, cogs to try and unlock the prize.
2: Cool. What's, uh, what's the timeline for the game look like?
1: Uh, we just released that yesterday. So what we, uh, being perfectly honest, we'd actually built a game fully, uh, as we'd, we'd said on Komodo and it was in testing. What we've actually been able to do and discover as of yesterday is that we are able to have a version of the game that we can actually build and deploy on WAX, um, which will make people very happy uh, by Christmas. So that awesome. means that we can, it's not like we're gonna, um, it, we, we sat down and thought about this really seriously and thought, okay, we've got the bridges back to the um, original game. We've got um, the, the current plans in place, but then you've got your WAX NFT. And then we turned around and said, if it's gonna take us two years to rebuild this or to build it on our version of it on WAX, then let's not have these conversations. But when we sat down and worked out, actually we can gain some efficiencies over here. We can also have uh, fast to run, um, same NFT protocol, um, and we turned around and said, how, what's that timeline looking like? Not only did we establish that we can bring it out by Christmas, we can actually already start thinking about addition to game two, game three. Um, so we put out a roadmap now, and uh, now we're, we're um, madly working towards making sure that we've got a fantastic slammer game by Christmas um and that will coincide with edition two and the reason it coincides with edition two is people will need to come and buy cogs and we hope that by then we've got a lot more interest and the first edition doesn't have enough cogs for people to be playing uh not on mass so the whole idea of edition one was supposed to be a collector's set that gives and keeps on giving and um yeah i can explain what i mean by that
0: Cool. Yes. So I, I got a little sneak peek of that this morning uh talking about uh rewards if you own the first edition cogs. Um, so that's that's a very interesting concept. I think it's familiar in crypto, especially in mm-hmm. the in the proof of stake space. Um, yep. So uh, did you want to talk
1: yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh 100%. So what what happens is we're going to be interest introducing there's something quite big about to be announced but we're going to be um, uh, introducing staking and rewards Um, but for example if you've got like uh, and I'm not trying to encourage people to go and get this I'm just giving you an example if you've got like a super set now a super set is um, every picture with the same border type so if you've got a, a ultra rare set It would be all the Ultra rares in the collection, and you might have a a Jeweled Earth Border. So you've gone through and got the Jeweled Earth Border. So that's 10 different artworks. Then you've got the Satoshi Slammer and the April Slammer also with the same border. So that's called a Superset. So what the Supersets do is, uh, and and different sets and collections do, is unlock tournament access or game access to different levels. We've said weapons and skins in future games. But what would happen, for example, if we do a Superset Tournament, and only people with supersets can play for free, or paying people can come along and and pay into those tournaments with big prizes. Now, the people that have the superset might say, I don't want to be in the tournament. I've got no fascination with that. I'm a collector and I I want to just lock them up. So say, for example, that the tournament fee was $100, and people were saying, this is a big tournament, and the person who has the superset can say, well, I'm not using them. So I'm effectively going to stake them. So if that that person can come along and take bids, and I can say I'll give you eighty bucks, and then that way I can get into the tournament cheaper. Well, so, so you these can lease are the right. card to them. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, exactly
2: right. Card exactly right. leasing. So like
1: yeah. It. So, is, but that's not that's not all. that's Let just. Me just uh,
2: I think I'm going to follow here
1: for a sec, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy some yeah, cards yeah, right uh, now. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing is that. Uh, when we make the proper announcement with the full rewards and how the system works, the people that are actually holding COGS from first edition are going to get richly rewarded and the idea of that is to say thank you for the early adoption, thank you for coming in recognising something early and ahead of the trend. Um, and you know, people that are new to collecting, this is a big thing for them, they say hang on, there's 3,414 different combinations and why is there so many confusing borders and you know we sat down for 18 months and, and people said if, if you sat down and talked about this for 18 months where's a guide where's the thing that tells you what a set looks like and how to complete it and all the rest of it but we sat down with some pretty experienced people and they said the joy of people understanding what a set is the joy of people understanding that you know what jagged edge slams aren't the cool thing the cool thing is actually these black and red combination borders that are in commons, that are a thousand dollars each, because you can't get them and everybody wants them. Mm-hmm. Let the public decide what's cool. Let the public decide what has the most value. And for me, coming from a turnaround background, I couldn't understand that concept. I was like, no, you have to go out with a structured thing, a playbook, has to be very clear, decisive. Right. This whole going and saying, we've got a really complicated set, with a lot of work and effort and thought that's gone into it. But we didn't think about actually explaining the sets in an easy to understand guide. I don't don't understand that, but, um, now I do, now I get it. We've got a a community of people coming in and saying, what's the significance of a pineapple border? And is it better than a junior earth border? And what does it actually do? And And there's no answer to that. Right? Exactly. So it's it's a lot of that
2: personal uh, preference too, right? Like just what you like.
1: Exactly. So. So, for example, a foil version of a Bitcoin. So the Bitcoin foils, they're selling for on the market now. They, I mean, the asking price starts at about 500 US dollars. Now, that doesn't have any. it's in the same set of other cogs that are going for $100 for the foil version. So why? Is it because of crypto people? Is it because um, people think that more crypto people are gonna come in and Bitcoin will be sought after? Is it because people love Bitcoin? We, we don't, we, we, we never went out there with professing to have all the answers to what would be mm-hmm. popular. And I learned a very valuable lesson and that is build something that looks great and build the, the quality behind it and let, the people that are using it decide and dictate what is the most, has the most intrinsic value.
0: Yeah, like somebody can have a crush on Artemisa, right? And then all of a sudden, bid her up.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, we've got people like, we've got a guy in our group um, that's a great guy, and he's heavily involved in Splinterlands, and he collects moons, and he's got like this massive moon collection. I think he's got about 80 80 odd moons. Um, Everybody's got a, a favorite, and everybody's got something they like more than everything else and um that's what they collect that's cool
0: um you talked about the staking and a couple of the things that you had uh released today or yesterday on the the roadmap is there anything else you want to mention about that um
1: yeah it's hard to mention a lot more about it without actually making the big announcement um what we're doing is we're just sort of getting all of the infrastructure in place before we go out because when we do announce this, it's gonna cause a little bit of um, uh, panic, but in a good way, hysteria, hysteria. <laughs> and so what we wanna do is make sure that um, we wanna make sure that we can answer all of the questions and that we've got um, places to point people to. Now, when you're going out with border types and collections and sets and all the rest of it, because um, we did things like the micro set, we've got an egg, a hatching egg, and uh, a fox there's a a micro set within a set now people said well hang on one's common and one's uncommon one's rare the border types don't match how do i collect the set it's uh so there's certain things you can go out and say they don't need any structure but an announcement like we're going to make that's not one of those things that you sort of just throw out and say let the public decide this is something that has to be very structured so we're just getting the uh, regulatory and the compliance side of things right, so that we can go out, whack it out there and then it's got all the answers and there's no confusion about this particular thing. So we anticipate that it will be um, within about two weeks, uh, definitely before the end of the month. Um, the other thing that I can say for sure and certain is by the end of the month we'll actually do a full brand release and launch of RFOX games. Um, to show that we're we're committed to the vision of producing multiple games for these cogs to be played in, so that'll be a, a full website logo branding release and all the rest of it. And then with that will come the big announcement as well, to show that we're it's a, it's a it's a long term thing. It wasn't just a collection of art on a on a circle.
0: Mm. Cool. us talk about your the people who collect cogs out in your part of the world. Like uh, so far, Mike and I are used to. GPK, uh, which is mostly North American audience. And you guys yeah. have like a sort of almost global audience, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that uh, we've got it for a couple of different reasons. So the first series was very much sort of uh, in po- the true Pogs tradition of let's make it a little bit of everything. So we got a whole heap of different artists to come in and do different art. So some people like the Cyberpunk series, some people like Space Military old school people like the 8-bit. There's there's different things for different people. There's 80s, there's 90s. So um, that attracted a lot of nostalgia. So at the moment, we just got curious onlookers coming in from around the world saying, what is all this about? And hey, man, you reminded me for 10 minutes of what it was like to be a child when the world was easy and not complicated, and there was no COVID and uh, all the rest of it. So um, the nostalgic part of it's been good, and that's brought in uh, people globally. But now we've got people coming in and saying, hey, for second series, it has to have a heap of anime in there and has to be the, the Korean anime, not the Chinese anime or the Japanese anime, it has to be. So um, that sort of makes you think, okay, well, we can, that's something that we can do and something we can bring in. But, but ultimately, um, what, it, what it does to have a global audience is it means that um, obviously more eyeballs The partnership that we have is uh, for a platform in Southeast Asia that's just now expanded into South America, so that'll be a big part of the audience as well going forwards. But um, I think the most important thing is that we have to be making concepts and things that are uh, uh, applicable to anybody because it it is borderless, uh, just as POGS was. Um, So we've got to be very mindful of the art, the gameplay, the style, and everything that's brought in. But at the moment, We've got a collector's audience and a few gamers who are waiting for the game to come out. Once the game comes out, we're going to get gamers that start becoming collectors. Um, So that's going to be a very interesting dynamic.
2: Yeah, awesome. I'm looking forward forward to seeing the game and and, uh, playing it too. Actually, it's funny because I didn't buy a lot of cogs, but I've had friends that have wanted to trade Items for them, so I'm just like, yeah, sure, I'll take some cogs. So I do have a few in my.
1: Oh, that's good. But um, I think I think the uh the thing is that with addition um, two and beyond, the whole idea of it used to be a lot more like Magic: The Gathering, meaning that you've got um, cheaper packs, they're much more accessible, and you can go into a marketplace and then for a period of, for example, three months. I can go into a marketplace and know that Edition 2 is not on some sort of fire sale and I have to rush and put my credit card and my wax in within an hour, otherwise I can never get game pieces and never play. The whole idea of this is to make sure that you know for a period of three months they're cheap, it's unlimited in supply, buy them and play, and then at the date of the next release, there's no more of that Edition. So they'll be cheaper. But your foil Satoshi equivalent, so your Black Lotus type of or Black Orchid, Lotus type of thing, will be more sort of one in a million, like it is in the, like it is in the larger collections. The first series right. was specific; was supposed to be a rare, um, a limited collector's edition that will be revered for uh, in time as being. This was the quality set that everybody wants to get a piece from.
2: Yeah, this release, like, I think it kind of threw everyone for a loop because, like, we hadn't seen a three hour style before. And so a lot yeah. of people kind of thought, you know, we're going to have a lot of supply and then the market's going to suffer. But then all of a sudden it's like, there's only 10 of each of these or maybe more, but yeah. it's not a lot. Like, they're all pretty rare. And it was funny because the first day it seemed like everyone just was kind of just like, what do we do with this? And then, there was exactly. a bunch of low prices and and then, and then people started scooping and the next thing you know it just started going crazy and everyone's like what like we thought these things were gonna be cheap and now they're blowing up like what's happening here and packs started taking off and yeah yeah so it was quite a lot of excitement around it
1: actually the um the, the big uh, stuff up and screw up as you know was the pack opening and that kind of actually has come back and been the biggest blessing that we could have had now It's a cock up and we don't like that type of stuff. But um, uh, long story short, the uh, the code didn't allow us to be able to open the pack safely. So people started putting up memes of, um, oh, they've used Namecheap, and they've done this and they've done that. Um, we, We hadn't pointed to the AWS that we're using because the, the packs wouldn't open and we thought oh, yeah. this, we can't we can't let people go across there try and open it and and be stuck in a loop and can't get their pack open and say what's going on and the mints going past me so um we saw a very very heavy influx of money in the first five minutes and we thought oh my gosh this thing's going to explode um and if people could have opened their packs we've been told there was a lot of people sitting on the sidelines with a lot of wax Uh, We got at least one or two accounts that had more than 100k and were saying, I'm going to scoop up as many as I can get, and said, I'm only buying three packs until I can open it and see what it looks like. Um, and because a lot of people hadn't seen the art yet, they were like, I don't even know if there's anything good in here, so I'll wait until I can open it. How have they been able to? I heard, yeah, Yeah, I heard a lot
2: of people sat around just kind of going like. Uh, do I want to do it like, Oh, the pack thing's not working. I'm unsure. Like, so I think it did limit supply quite a bit as oh, well. For sure.
1: I, the, the, a lot of people have given thumbs up and projections and you never know, but they were saying based on the rate that it opened up and where it could have gone in three yeah. hours, you should have done close to 500,000 columns. Wow.
2: Yeah. I heard um, that too.
1: But that would have been too many in the market, I reckon. So I, I think that the market amount that's come out, I think that, what
0: you is know, it around gods, 200k or so gods. sorry
1: it's about 200k or so yeah yep right around 200k so i think i think what happened is the cog gods turned around and said um you know what um let's let's keep it how it is yeah uh let's keep it at a really good supply and for some strange reason it's, it's turned out to be in everybody's favor um now that people know what the art is and by the time the second set comes out there'll be a game ready i think what you'll see is um as i said you, you'll see a lot more demand for the bring in a much wider audience and what we'll do at that point is make it much more accessible for people to come in much cheaper price and you'll realize from from minute one every future edition commons are not worth anything they're not supposed to be worth anything they're common they're supposed to be played and lost and traded and, uh, they're like the sock that gets lost in the um in the washing machine every two <laughs> big socks. Uh, so that's no nice. one really except from head number um, ones, I guess. Yeah, it's not like they're going to be looking yeah. around under the bed sheet saying, oh, "I'm sure I had a, a common a common here somewhere." <laughs> um, the but the the thing is that that's how it's supposed to be designed. But then you're going to get this one like. You know, it's like the, the 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 best toy that you get in your lucky charms packet and you say, uh, this one I'm this one's going in the vault. Um, so there'll be that rare nugget that you find that's worth a fortune that everyone's trying to get. But the, the idea of it is to play and to trade and to risk and to swap, not as a um, you're not buying it to try and unearth the, the hidden gem. Do you
2: guys have any? Um, do you guys have any marketing plans that uh, they yes. roll out anytime soon? Yes, yes. So uh,
1: that will very much ramp up towards the game release, and uh, obviously having someone like Arkleger and having a, a well-known game designer um, in our um, in our den, um, this helps with influences and in, um, your streamers and all the people that are big into the gaming side of things. We've able we've been able to get onto a, a couple of the traditional gaming streamers and say crack a pack, and they've done that. And I actually took a, a couple of boosters on. Them. One guy got a Satoshi foil oh, nice. a booster or something, and it was like uh,
2: it was it was a
1: perfect timing for it to happen. It looked like you could you know wouldn't look like it was um, engineered or something. It was so was cool. Rigged. But <laughs> most of these, yeah, but most of the Most of these guys will not talk about stream or do anything until they've got a physical game that they can actually play. So once the game's done and ready for market release, those guys will say, okay, let's crack and pack and now let's use it in the game and this is how how it works and this is what, what it does and this is how it plays out. But they're not going to start talking about and talking up something if there's nothing to see and there's nothing to validate or back it up. That makes sense. Um, Penny, sure.
0: Penny, uh, can you talk about your you talked about arclegger a little bit can you talk about your who he is and also uh, a about, about your team as well at red fox labs
1: yeah sure sure so i is um most uh, famous for um h1z1 so it was one of the very early battle royale games uh so for those people who don't know about it it's had, it's got millions of players and has had over the years and what happens is you basically uh parachute into a, a, an arena or an area and a, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as time goes on you've got to make your way in towards the middle and grab weapons and it's the last man standing um, so you, it's every man for himself You're, uh, you've gone into a place that gets smaller and smaller and um, yeah that's the whole battle royal theme so he's, he's had a lot of experience um, and worked for, you know, these big gaming companies and designed games for mass uh, for millions and millions of people. So he, he's got his finger on the pulse. He understands the collectible side. He understands loot boxes and crates and gameplay and mechanics and engagement and levels and rewards. So um, just an amazing person to have with us. Um, and then we've got uh, the rest of the Red Fox Labs team is very much mixed in their, their skills because we're a venture builder. We build, uh, we, we're a DBOT company, so we design, build, operate and transfer. We come up with a concept and an idea using a funnel system. We then build, design it, build it, start operating it, and then we transfer it to people that are much better in those particular areas than we could ever be. So, for example, we launch launched Fox Games now, and now we will look for people that are much more experienced in the gaming industry to come in and say, right, someone who is X, such and such company, big gaming company, whatever's coming in to put a bit of injection of um, what comes next and to get bigger players involved and to get better better quality games uh, out. Now that the proof of uh, concept is there. So we've got um, my co-founder, Glenn, he's got a, a, a very mixed background uh, starting from studying in the finance and the commerce side right through to doing a lot of digital marketing and a lot of uh, online is a digital nomad um, and worked around the world and we've got, um, we've got uh, a mechatronics and robotics engineer that's joined us from, from Austria and he's been with us for a year working on the game and learning the whole blockchain side of things as well. Um, we've got uh, writers, we've got artists, we've got um, community managers, we've got people from all around the world that have sort of banded together to sort of say, we believe in this vision and we believe in this idea and we believe in where this is actually going. And now um, they are. Uh, we're getting more and more interest, and more people that are wanting to, to join, and um, hearing about the next projects that are coming out as well. So we've got a we've got a fairly strong um, background in crypto, all of us. Um, we've also got, uh, obviously, I'm not very young, um, a long background in traditional corporates and multinationals as well. So we've got an understanding of where this movement's going to go, where it's going to end up and what, what needs to be implemented for that to happen. But we don't profess to be experts in every of the industries that we um, delve into, but the idea is to get something up, prove the concept, prove that it works, and then bring in the people that are the heavyweights to run those.
0: It's cool. And I actually heard that Ho Chi Minh, which is where your headquarters are, mm-hmm. is a hot kind of spot for innovation and software in, in Southeast Asia. Yeah.
1: It's actually rated number three for technical uh, competency globally um, because they have about 100,000 engineers come through, um, uh, computer programmers and um, IT graduates come through university every year just in in Vietnam. So the numbers are massive and there's been lots of documentaries and stuff done and and stuff written about it, but uh, I think it was Google, the person's come over to Vietnam and found out that you know, that a lot of the year 11 students in Vietnam can pass the Google entry test. Um, You're talking about- um, That's crazy. They're in it early, they're they're obsessed by it. But the the sad part about it is a lot of the guys here that graduate have to go to America or overseas to get good opportunities and good roles. So the talents regarded as being very highly regarded and sought after and what we're saying is, hang on, we should be setting up in a place like this. If we're serious about tech, we're in a fast-growing region. where Aussies, we should walk the walk, and talk the talk, we should move over there. It doesn't matter if it's hard to do business, let's get set up, structured, let's be where we need to be um, for the expansion and growth. And let's try and build something that not only um, everybody that works is proud of, let's make it that Vietnamese graduates are saying, I need to get a job at Red yeah. Fox Lab so I can stay in this country. I can do cool totally. stuff, in the region and I can still have a cool job and not have to go overseas. So we want to leave a very strong footprint where we are in this region as being providers of awesome jobs and opportunities.
2: I love it. That's awesome because so many people go in and just steal the talent they need and bring it to wherever they want to locate, right? So it's awesome that you guys are supporting that local economy instead.
1: Yeah, that's the whole. That's the whole concept. The concept is to actually, um, you know, people say I'm in crypto for the tech, and then they go, "Damn, my portfolio is down by eight percent today." And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm in the we'd, red. We'd, we'd, we'd say um, we're in it for the tech as well. We we actually we're here because we believe tech can disrupt uh, legacy industries, but we're also not stupid. We understand that the tech doesn't go anywhere near as much as people are telling you it does yet. Um, that They 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 say they understand exactly what it's going to do as well. No one knew what the internet was going to do. They thought it was a good way to send emails or whatever, and it's because it's changed the way we communicate. So no one knows where blockchain is going to end up, but we do know that it is going to have a significant impact on disruption in the way we do things and, and it's definitely changed the way we think about things. So, um, we're saying I would we're say just, that's
2: already happening too, right? That's, that's exactly. underway now.
1: Exactly. So we, we're just saying we're here, we're in the right place with the right people in the right time and right region doing the right things, building digital and internet companies. Um, where. we it's up to us to screw this up.
0: Yeah, how's the food out there? Oh my god!
1: <laughs> oh my god! Like food. Food. The food is the food is like um, next level because it's so much fresher. Like when you when you're in Australia growing up as a kid, you go, oh, "I'll eat Chinese food tonight," and then you have Chinese food and you think, "Oh, I love Chinese food." Then you go to China and eat real Chinese food and you go these Chinese people don't know how to make Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> you're used to like, you're used to Same like, with
2: Japanese people. You're used to, like Americanized exactly. rolls or whatever, right? Or I guess Australianized Chinese food. <laughs> like,
1: Japanese food has a California roll. And you're there, like,
2: exactly. Wow. That doesn't and the, exist there.
1: Exactly. So you go to Hawaii and you say, I want a Hawaiian pizza. And they go, sure, what do you want? <laughs> And you get a one on, on, on it? it, and they go, "Sure, we, we are Hawaiian. What do you want?" And
0: we you don't go, have any pigs on the island, guys.
1: <laughs> you got ham and pineapple. Spam and, and pineapple. Ham and pineapple. We <laughs> 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 said so that's a spam
2: and pineapple. Exactly. They have ham; they have spam. <laughs> spam.
1: Exactly. <laughs> So, so I think the food here is very fresh, a lot of vegetable based stuff, but lots of like um, fresh spring rolls that aren't deep fried and a lot of noodles um, oh, yeah. with, you know, like fur, mm, and a lot I mean. of um, beautiful, yeah. clean food that's uh, extremely cheap and um, delicious, extremely good tasting. And it's it's probably one of the best of the Southeast Asian, definitely one of the best Southeast Asian cuisines for sure. You could never get sick of eating it.
0: Yeah. It's one of the, my destinations for sure. I like, I don't like to travel that far, but I would go to Vietnam.
1: I think, I think now uh, I started coming here 15 years ago for holidays and stuff like that. And it was always cool and exciting and, and, the, and all the rest of it, but it was kind of a massive culture shock, you know, like so many whizzing motorbikes, which is still the case and, and loud noises and smells that you, you don't understand and crowded and, um, now it's really turning into a cosmopolitan, um, it's good. The, the cities look really great. They've got great coffee, world-class coffee shops and restaurants um, and all the rest of it. But, but now it's getting to the point where, uh, people are starting to really see this as a, as a real, not only a holiday destination, but a place they want to move to. So, um, and beaches and beaches. Oh, amazing beaches. Amazing <laughs> Like the one in your background, there's a ton of yeah. those stuff. Uh, really? Yes. Do
0: you guys have any cool uh, crossovers to tease us with
1: coming up?
0: Uh, oh, you mean like uh, an integration between the, with another uh, NFT there, Mike? Is that what you mean? Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. We do. We do. Um,
1: I think um, there's been a fair few hints as well. But uh, again, uh, uh, this is how serious we are about it. We would have gone to them and said, um, and we've gone to a couple of the the bigger ones, um, but one that we particularly targeted, and they uh, immediately um, were receptive, great people, awesome people, and they wanna do cool stuff with us. And the the, the great thing about it is, if we were here just for a short time, we would have made something happen before the sale because it would have brought in more eyeballs and it would have brought in money and it would have brought in attention and all the rest of it. But because what we want to do is, is has never been done and we're talking about the the real nesting, we're talking about the putting something inside of an NFT across a chain and being able to then break it open and get it out and use it, but without confusing the hell out of people. And um, that's why we didn't rush it. I mean, even the pack opening couldn't get done properly. So the thing is, techs in the early stages. So we've pu- we've pushed that back and said, let's do it when it's right. Let's do it when it works. And let's make people sit up and say, holy crap, this is not just some sort of like little collectible art set. These guys are actually trying to do stuff that is complicated and um, a bit mind boggling. But that's why when we sat down and said, we're gonna build the first game with 100% logic on chain, people said, that the first question people said is why? Games work fine. Why do you need to complicate it and put it on slow, horrible, slow transaction speed, security risk, flawed code? Horrible. Why do you have to do that? And we said, We reckon we can. We reckon we can show that it can work on a mobile and it will unlock other cool sorts of features and technology and all the rest of it along the way. The idea is not to make a game that changes and disrupts all the other games, but look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin isn't a perfect solution to replacing the fiat system, but it's a, it's a real in-your-face of, hey, look, we've created something, you can't stop it, you can't take it down, and yeah, it might be a bit slow, and people might consider it to be expensive, which it's not, but might be a bit slow, might kill legions of small furry animals to, to create Bitcoins because of all the electricity you're using and all the rest of it, but you can't take it down, you can't stop it, and it challenges the way you think about money. That's a profound statement. Um, so not only wanna,
2: that, it challenges money in and of itself, of
1: course. And we want to yeah. we want to come back and say, you you guys make awesome games, and World of Warcraft and all these great games. You make awesome games. We are not trying to say that we can do that better than you, but we've got a cool little concept like Bitcoin is to money, of a way to disrupt and to be able to take your stuff wherever you go and a game can't pull it away from you and just say we're shutting down world of warcraft you've lost a thousand hours and all your work and all the rest of it because guess what they've got a stake in your game a piece that they can take with them and use somewhere else and this is extremely important that we challenge the way that people think so other people share the same vision as us and the good part about it is I don't care if the game's on Ethereum, I don't care if the game's on Qtum, I don't care if the game's on Neo, because this is the most important part. I've said this a million times. If I'm hot and I go down to the local uh, store to buy a fan and the dude starts telling me about electricity and how currents work and how <laughs> it gets into the PowerPoint and how AC, DC voltage works, I'm gonna say, shut the hell up, dude. Give me a fan, plug it into a wall. <laughs> I don't care what your blockchain is. I don't give a crap how many, if it's proof of stake or proof of work, or you've got a a wallet or a staking mechanism. Just give me something that I can use that's better, faster, and cheaper than what I have. And make it so that I don't waste my time. Give me something back for what the time and effort that I put in. And that's all we're trying to do is create value.
0: And I think that Wax uh... can do that very well. I was just going to say that, yeah. (laughs) Well, Ben, it was uh, awesome having you on. I'm all hyped up for COGS, and uh, I don't know what you think about it too, Mike. You may become a fan now, right? I think, I think, I, I think I just bought them.
1: <laughs> well, let's just say this, we could have, we we had two ways of doing this. We can stay around for a long time and we can do things the right way and we can build it slowly. And like you asked about, what about the marketing? We want the product to speak for itself. We want people to want to engage and use it. Or we could have gone down the Justin Sun route and said, let's spend a million dollars on marketing and um, hype and then try and back it up with something down the track. That's not how we want to operate. And I think it's clear that with the type of artwork that we've got and the type of collection that we've got, it would have been a worthy investment to pump a huge amount into marketing and advertising and do this big hoopla. But if you don't have substance to back it up, you don't have a game to attach it to, and you don't have proper ongoing mechanisms, then you're just a collection and you're going to die no matter how hard you push
0: and, I know you and really and wanted to, to take uh, uh, Warren Buffett out to lunch and play cogs with him.
1: It <laughs> probably call it rat poison.
0: Yeah, <laughs> totally,
2: 100%. And now if you do it now, you benefit Series 1 owners, right? So that's a super bonus for us, which is awesome. And I exactly. think that's we, we thing make it. with, uh, with the current industry, it's frustrating that, um, sorry, um, the, the bigger corporations don't seem to have as much interest in promoting stuff at the moment. And I'm not sure why that is, but the sort of the smaller players are definitely um, going and they're doing the work, which is awesome. And that's what we need.
1: Yeah, well, I get told all the time and I've had this through my career, people will say, you guys are favoring the people that bought into the first edition or you guys are favoring the people that that found it first and all the rest of it. My answer to that is always going to be, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. Um, We are rewarding the people that took the time and effort to learn it um, when there wasn't um, apps to tell you what set collections look like and what they should be and all the rest of it. And the people that we didn't do it with a whole heap of hype, we found a small group of people that thought this is cool and we want to get into this. Why shouldn't they be rewarded? It's it's part of being an early adopter. So, as I always say, there's two chess managers and checker managers, people that see everybody as being equal and the same and, and then there's the chess managers who understand that people to contribute more that get involved more that help more those people should be rewarded and that's that's exactly how we are we make no apologies for that anyone who contributes gets involved and becomes part of it gets rewarded and that's that's how it should be
2: and those are your early supporters right you want to have you want to have them be winners
1: right exactly they that they're the sneezers um, they're the ones that go out and tell everybody else and and bring in their friends and bring in their, and if it's something that they're proud of and they can say, hey, see that little move that you can do on the game? I'm the one who suggested that. Oh, yeah. I'm the one who gave feedback and that got put in. They listen to me. They know who I am. That's a very powerful um, mechanism to have in place. Very powerful.
0: And if uh, anybody wants to catch up with what Ben and Red Fox are doing uh, and make those suggestions, I would suggest that you go on to the, their, their Discord as well. Uh, Ben, do you have, uh, where can we reach the site? Where can we reach you guys?
1: Yeah, so Discord's the best place to go for for 100% sure. We want to try and really focus the longer term gaming community and that's where gamers are in Discord. So Discord's the place to go. We do a nightly morning, depends on where you are. 8 p.m. every night, Vietnam time, we do a a voice call and we um, crack packs We talk about our sets and people come in and ask questions and, Um, We give away sneak um, previews and stuff like that. uh, People say, how come the Discord people get it first? We're looking at doing two sessions, one in uh, both time zones, because eight eight o'clock is very, uh, six o'clock in the morning on the um, west coast over there, I believe. So, yeah, I'm sleeping. Uh, yeah, we're looking, we're looking at doing two different time um, slots or at least recording it so that it's uh, so we're, we're working on that method. But that's the way to get us. We want to make sure that everybody's driven to the same place. So, we want to make sure that, um, that Discord's the place to catch us.
0: Okay. And how can people uh, reach you on the web so that they can find these uh, channels?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, there's a cogs.gg site. And there's about to be, uh, uh, what we talked about earlier, there's about to be an RFOX Games proper site and ecosystem and all the rest of it launch. So we're trying to make it a little bit, um, you have to kind of go here at the moment, but then when RFOX Games launches later this month, it'll be, um, it'll be a much more of a, of a whole ecosystem where you can follow us through the websites and all the rest of it. Awesome.
0: Very well, cool. Well,
1: Yeah, thanks for
0: joining us. Mike, did you have any last things? I think
2: that's it for me. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure to talk to you for sure. And uh, I learned a lot.
1: Thank you very much for having us guys. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks,
0: Benny. Bye. Thanks, Benny. Thank you.